Hello, and welcome to Sideways. This week, the one where we talk about Chandler Bing. Okay, so um, what have you got this week then? Um, well, I, I, what I want to talk to you about is... Um, actually, I want to ask you a question first before we get into this. Yeah. I want to ask you why you tend to avoid things that are popular. What, me personally? Well, you, yeah, you personally. I know, I know it's something that's cropped up <laughs> over the years. I, I remember from a long time ago when yeah. people like Oasis would come along and hit big, and you purposely not like them regardless of, of what no, they I didn't like Oasis because I didn't like their music. Uh, well, you say that. But, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you don't like, uh, you didn't like Breaking, you wouldn't watch Breaking Bad, for example, because it was too popular. Yeah, or read The Da Vinci Code. Or read The Da Vinci Code. Now, I, 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 there is a certain personality trait that, that fits, like, I, can't, I can't remember what it's called. But it's I, sensible, is it? No, it's not sensible. No. It's, um, it's a little bit bizarre. But I also remember you, and you might, be able to, you might have to straighten me out on this one, but I'm pretty sure that... Um, you know, um, you know the, the, the cast of Friends. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now you, you've got three guys and the three and the, the three girls, yeah. and I know. I remember there was a, there was doing this survey on the street, and they were asking, you know, who who's, their favourite character was, etc. Yeah. And they were asking the guys that said, you know, who, which which girl do you like best out of that? And Jennifer Aniston tended to come up come up trumps. Yeah. Come up tops out of that. Mm. And I remember that you always said that you you used to like um, Lisa Cutrow. You like Phoebe. Phoebe. She yeah. was your favourite girl, and I thought. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, um, is that? I mean, is that? Is it something you purposely do? No, I don't think so. I don't. I, don't, I suppose it depends what you mean by purposely. I, I do. You're right. I do tend to have a dislike or a lack of fondness, which is not quite strong, for things that have become mainstream and very popular. Okay. That's true. I think uh, I, I don't like seeing bands in arenas. It's probably selfishness. I like knowing about things that other people don't know about. When uh, yeah. everybody else knows about them, I'm not so interested in them anymore. I, I know. It probably was, does say something about me. I, I probably it, should see a therapist. I, yeah, well, I think, yeah, so as you can look in the mirror. But I think um, certainly at school, I, I would tend to do that at school, certainly. Um, trying. You're saying I'm childish. I'm, no, I'm not saying childish, but I, I'm sort of admitting I had a bit of a problem, but I've grown out of it. <laughs> so you're saying I'm childish. I've grown up. I, I felt that um, I, I wouldn't like to go and watch bands that other people were watching, really. I like to discover bands and be the first people to see, or the first person to see yeah, You see, it. I'm still like that now. Yeah, I think there's, a, there's still a little bit of that in, in us. Mm. But looking at, uh, going back to the Friends situation, yeah. I, was, um, I, I, was, I was always... I was always quite fascinated with, with Chandler Bing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. I always found him, I thought he's quite, I thought he's quite funny. I mean, obviously it's it scripted, but I thought some of the... This is th- aspirational then for you, isn't it? He, yeah, he really, quite funny. really, I, th- I felt that he was given some very good lines. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, that, I agree. Uh, I think he was, uh, he, I, I found him quite fascinating. I think it's quite funny. And, and as it turned out later on down the line, obviously the, 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 the guy that played Chandler, uh, Matthew Perry... Mm. Um, later, after quite late on into the Friends, uh, I think it was it was about series eight or nine, where he he, he came out and said that he had had a an alcohol problem and an, an addiction right. problem. The actor, you mean, not the character. Yeah, the actor, yeah, yeah, Matthew himself. I didn't know that actually. Yeah, um, it's it's uh, apparently he 
he had a jet ski accident, and this was well before that it, he was signed up to go into the Friends franchise. He he had a, a jet ski accident, and, it, and he ended up being prescribed a lot of painkillers, and they're opiate-based ones. Right. And he said he found once these the prescription finished, he still craved them, and he got hold of them and continued taking those, and that drifted also along into 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 alcohol, which he could get more freely because it. Um, he, he he felt that even though he, things were starting to go very well for him, yeah, he was feeling very. He, he found himself in a, in, a, in a position where, with the alcohol and the uh, the painkillers, he could be a little bit different. He could his confidence was 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 boosted, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people at the start of their addiction process find exactly that. It's quite good fun at first. It changes your perception of things. It changes your persona, um, and you could you can be a little bit. You can be different from the from the from yourself, and I think that he he found it quite liberating at first, um, and as we subsequently know, it turned into 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 a bit of a problem for him. So, what is that? Um, how would you? So, tell me a little bit about that sort of early allure of drinking. Then, well, for me, it was I, I certainly found it a bit of a a social crutch. I found that it, it, it was a I mean, in retrospect, it, it, I was wrong, but at the time, it, it felt like it was giving me a, a boost, and I could be a little bit more lively. I could be around people. I, my shyness, which has always been a problem in my in my in, in my childhood, really, was was washed away. It helped me to to be more outgoing, and I think a lot of addicts find that at the start that it is a um, you're using drink um, rather than it being a something which is is a, is a nice social thing to do and so when you look back on it is when i really started to use drink um for a purpose other than just being out with friends right yeah it's funny that because i wouldn't have ended, i would never have uh, i would never have seen you as someone who was shy did you find that surprising um yeah i think a lot of people have, have said that to me but I, I certainly did i found that it was i was i felt awkward yeah. I certainly felt, um, you know, sort of my my school years were never that never that happy. Really, mm. I always felt a little bit nervous. I, I never felt that I was really good enough, um, and it was a, it was a strange feeling that um, it was at my worst. I suppose coming to do my A levels, right. and it was at that point I discovered that having a drink was something that um, made me feel better about myself before your A levels. It was before before my A levels, um, or during my A levels, the two years I was doing my A levels. I felt that I found I found that uh, having a drink from time to time would 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 make me a, a more sociable person. And I've, I found that um, as soon as I started to find drink, and I wanted to find, I wanted to go to more parties, etc. And and I found that you know the more parties I went to, I'd even started even at that stage started to preload a little before I went along, which of course is very popular these days. It is very popular uh, and uh, prinks, I think they call it prinks, the yeah. youngsters, <laughs> the youngsters of today. They probably do. I mean, I, it was something that I was I was aware I was doing, but I, I didn't see it as a problem at all. Yeah, and I think when you when you um, Listen to some of the stuff about Matthew Perry on 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 YouTube or or whatever. You you find that he was he was doing pretty much the, exactly the same thing. He found it. It gave him a little bit more confidence. He he said there was about three episodes in which he doesn't really remember a great deal. 
Right. It was a fuzzy period for him. Bit like your lost decade. Well, exactly what I've got <laughs> written down here on my notes. It reminded me exactly about my lost decade, <laughs> um, where you know you're, you're, you're sort of there, um, but you're not really you're, you're not really enjoying it, but you're, but you're not really engaging properly. And and looking back on it, there's there's so many patches. Yeah. Or so many um, holes in that time. You'd, you, I really can't remember what was going on. Well, yeah, I mean, that's very clear because there are often times when I remind you of something, you say, I don't remember that at all. And I find that more than perplexing. And then, of course, we realised that it was in the 10 years or so that, you know, you were befuddled. It was fuzzy. It was fuzzy. It's, it's strange because, um, you know, I lost... That, that, that. The years that I lost, I sort of found uh, in, I, I, I've re-engaged with my taste in, in, in music when I got into sobriety mm. and then went back over the last 10 years and picked up where I left off to a large extent you know I well, was, how do you mean, what do you mean? well I, I picked up the bands that I liked before I started to drink heavily and lost touch with right um, I then went and I scouted around the charity shops and found their albums that people had bought and listened to and, and, and got fed up with yeah. but it was new to me it was, <laughs> it was quite fantastic and, I, and, and again I started to discover bands that had been around for some time that I hadn't, hadn't really heard of but I suppose that on the other side of that there is also there's a cost to um, that kind of loss of 10 years isn't there there's, a, there's, there's things that you can't relive in that time you know because yes. because because things have moved on, haven't they? I mean, relationships, for example, they move on, don't they? And 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 it's difficult to 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 fill some gaps in. Whereas you can go back and you can listen to something that is the same today as it would have been ten years ago. In other aspects of life, it's not quite so easy to do that. No, it isn't. And I think the biggest problem for me emotionally was missing those years of my children growing up. Yeah. Because you know, I, I still find out bits and pieces now of what they did during that, during that period that I had, I had no recollection of, or, yeah. or wasn't aware of at all at the time, anyway. So that has been, um, I think, you know, it's 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 taking a long time, but it, it, it's taken a long time to get back on track. Mm. But finding out those bits and pieces is is part of the recovery process, mm. and I think it's been, um, which is why it's a continuing journey, mm. because it, I will, I'm, I'm still finding out stuff that 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 have been lost to my uh, outside of my memory and have been lost to the passage of time mm. but um, they're starting to to come back yeah, just going back to um, Chandler Bing yeah you know acting as a professor he's playing a role isn't he yeah. and, and in, a, in a way drinking enables you to play a role it enables you to don a mask to be someone other than who you are so I suppose in that way it's not particularly surprising that you know a lot of actors do struggle with um, self-image. So, in that respect, it's it's probably not surprising. Uh, yeah, I think if you look at people in the entertainment industry as a whole, um, they, they often do do drift into drink and drug problems. Mm. Um, and I think you know you find comedians are amongst the worst, where they, they have this persona, but they have to try and be happy all the time. Mm. And it must be a real, real struggle. And so I can understand why why it happens. And they lean on these um, on these substances to give them to give them a bit of a boost. Um, but unfortunately, you can't. It's 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 not a it's not a real boost. Mm. It's something which will which will catch up with you. Yeah, I mean, we should we we should all feel the uh, freedom to be miserable once in a while. Uh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know. It's it's uh, well. I, I think you've taught me that that um, 
it's okay to not be okay and I think it's it's something which which takes a little while to get used to and to come to terms with yeah I mean the hard I think the hardest thing for a lot of people is accepting themselves as not okay yes because it's very difficult to change when you are telling yourself that you're not allowed to be the way yeah. that you are yeah you have to kind of accept yourself the way you are before you can change for yeah. some reason that commenting about comedians and entertainers you know needing to be happy all the time has reminded me of something I read in the paper yesterday about <laughs> about Rod Hull and Emu okay <laughs> because uh, Emu uh, I think is going to auction oh yeah do you know I think I saw that isn't Orville the duck going as well yeah correct and I remember someone <laughs> someone saying I may have read it on Twitter someone saying that uh, he lived near Rod Hull when he was at school and he used to see him from time to time and he was a miserable bastard <laughs> <laughs> I think so that, there we are yeah I think that's probably is true isn't it they've got to have some downtime yeah from trying to be amusing and funny all no the time no pun intended considering he died by falling off a roof yeah, yeah he did yeah. Yeah, it was, it was uh, during a so he had some downtime there he did it wasn't it during a Man United match where he wanted I, I don't to... know he was adjusting the aerial wasn't he so yeah, he could get he, a better picture he was because yeah I think it was sort of half time he went up on the roof to to, uh, to adjust the area we've never, all done that we've all we? done that never saw, <laughs> and didn't, didn't see the match out so he didn't know what the result was in the uh, end I think it was a draw by the way Rod if you're listening <laughs> but um, what I did, what, so going back to Charles Bean, mm. um he, he had three trips to rehab okay oh, three right, hubs, okay. Uh, uh, three trips and, and it was on the third trip mm. that um, that he started to see to see a change in himself and he, he, he found the change starting when he started to help others ah. and he, he built up a bit of a, a catalogue of, of or back catalogue of expertise on, on addiction and addiction problems and I found, I found exactly the same that mm-hmm. my recovery certainly started to kick off uh, and flourish once I started to feel confident about my recovery and therefore found I had the ability to pass on some of that knowledge on to people coming in just behind me. Hmm. I, go on. No, go on. I think that um, it's. I see it happen all the time now, and, and we tend to find that people that come into groups hmm. and then go on to do a bit of co-facilitating and facilitating, etc. Once you get to that position, there's a there's an extra impetus to your to your recovery. Not only do you feel that you've started to slot back into society, you've got a little bit of responsibility. Um, and you start to get a bit of self-esteem back. Don't you think that's... Yeah, I mean, that absolutely makes sense. But don't you think that is because addiction is essentially a very selfish condition? Yeah, very much so. Uh, and so when when you've reached the point in your recovery where you've started to look away from yourself at other people and recognising that you have, on the one hand, something to offer other people, which, of course, you're probably not feeling very much in addiction, and recognising that... There is great joy to be had in being able to help other people. Then those sorts of things it becomes almost kind of self-perpetuating. That in itself will start to strengthen your recovery because surely you're starting to feel as if um, you know you're playing a meaningful role in society. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I think that it's. Um, I don't know if it's a. Uh, it, it, it's not. It's not that you feel like a, a, a something as strong as a calling at that point, but you certainly find that. Um, that by, by, by giving back at that time, it's almost a duty to ha- start to hand on the baton of recovery to, to, to the people that are following you. The baton of recovery. Yeah, yeah. Nice. It is, yes. It's, 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 uh, <laughs> I've just made that up myself. But it is... Um, <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> I, I think it, it, is, it is quite an important aspect because 
it's, it, there's no doubt about it that you know it's it takes an addict to understand an addict right and and, and passing that baton on and the, the person that's receiving the baton gets gets a great deal from that uh-huh. and the person giving it gets a great deal of pleasure from it as well it's 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 a win-win mm-hmm. and i found as soon as my confidence started to soar once i got into about i think i started my first, uh, running a group after about five months mm-hmm. into recovery we normally recommend about six months now because you don't want people to go in too early because we have had a situation or more, or more than one occasion where people have been desperate to get in and, and get involved in facilitating and co-facilitating and suddenly find that there's a bit of an extra pressure that they didn't anticipate. And they start putting their own recovery And they put their own recovery at risk, yeah, which yeah. is counterproductive. So we have to be really careful, um, which is why our sometimes we'll be running several meetings a week and sometimes it go back down to you know to, to, to a couple mm-hmm. because you've got to have the right people and do the right facilitating volunteering at the right time. Mm. But I thought with um, with... Matthew Perry, he he once he'd come out of rehab, he opened up his own house and let people come to to stay with him that had addiction problems, and he then set up a you know a rehab unit, and he's he's going from strength to strength. Mm. Have you we, thought of opening up your house? Uh, uh, no, not really. No, I don't think it's big enough to to allow too many people in, to be honest. Um, but he, obviously, he had the financial means to be yeah. able to back his projects up. Um, but he said that suddenly um, life has has meaning now mm. which it really hadn't before all that time that he was uh, he was out partying he he had adulation he had a string of, of girlfriends he was he was rich everything looked it was everything looked from the outside that everything was in place mm. but he said that it was probably his his loneliest time mm. because he just felt that he was hiding this problem away from from and he found it very cathartic when he was able to talk to the other members of the friends cast and and they were very supportive, and, and obviously the producers were keen to get him into rehabs, uh, rehab so they could they suspended filming for a while and that sort of thing. And, and so he had a lot of support around him, and mm. I think that's quite critical as well. Doing it on your own, we know it does really doesn't work. Mm. It's really really tough. Mm. But having the right people around you at the right time um, is vital. And and that, friends, one could say. Uh, oh, I like it. I like it. I'll tell you. you see what I've done there. I can't see what you've, what you've done there. It's, 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 quite, it's almost funny. Um, but I feel, I mean, I don't know if you've, if you've, if you've ever looked up on, on YouTube some of the, with the things about friends, etc. But there's, there's a couple of interesting uh, interviews with, with Matthew Perry, but just regarding his You're his a addiction. super fan, aren't you? I don't, well, I, I sort of... Um, I, I, yeah, I am in it in many ways. I, I've, I, I get this this kindred spirit. I know you laugh about me sort of liking myself <laughs> Tony Adams, Matthew Perry, and but, but I'm we're, yeah. We're, who, who's it going to be next? We're, we're well, after wait and see, <laughs> wait and see. We're bound by addiction. It's yeah. it's, a, it's a really strong bond. I know that if I, you know if I did meet these people, that that bond would be there. I know when people come into groups from all walks of life. Uh, you know, and certainly when I was away in detox, etc., you meet people from all walks of life and. That you're instantly on on the same level. You're, yes. inst- you're instantly bound by this this curious, nasty condition, yeah. and you're both fighting the, the exactly the same demons mm. in exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. And so you do you get this you, you get a, a friendship with these people, which is which is which tends to last a long time. Mm. And I think that um, it, it, it must be really tricky for someone like him um, living out their addiction in the public gaze. Yeah, you know, it, it, it concerned me, and you know, I've watched quite uh, a, a lot of bits and pieces about Paul Gascoigne, mm. who also is 
has, has had to live out his problems and his struggles with his demons and struggles with, with his addiction problems with with the, the paparazzi after him the whole time. Yeah. Now, I'd, I, I'd have hated that, and it would be a, a real extra layer of pressure yeah. upon you to try and, to try and, to try and work your, your problems out in that way. Mm. I thought you were going to liken yourself to Paul Gascoigne. I wasn't going to. No, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's next on the list, if you're listening, Paul. <laughs> we'll have a chat, mate. Um, but I think there was also... The, the, one of the interviewers with, with Matthew Perry at one time said to him, that was really brave of you to sort of come out, as it were, at that time as, mm-hmm. a, as an alcoholic. And he said, no, it wasn't brave at all. It wasn't, it's never brave for, for an addict to come out because you only come out at that point when it's life or death. Yeah. There's nothing brave about that. You, you get to a decision where you're absolute rock bottom that if you don't do something, you are going to die. Yeah. So it's not bravery. It's, it's really a, a force of nature at that point. Mm. You haven't got any choice. You haven't but got any further to fall. You haven't got any further to fall, but and you haven't got any other choice. If you don't want to die, yeah, you've got to, to you've got to ask for help. Yeah. So so bravery doesn't enter into it. And people have said to me about that because I know when I when I first went into recovery, when I went away into the residential detox, I told everyone before I went in what I was doing and what was happening. And when I came out, I talked about it constantly. And we have other people that, have, that come into groups who don't tell anyone. Yeah, they, but that, they keep that, it very much a secret. But in a sense, they're, um, you know, that says something about the attitude they have towards their recovery, doesn't it? Because if you tell everybody, you know, I've heard people say before, giving something up, going into rehab, giving up smoking even, they don't tell anyone because they don't want to look foolish if it doesn't work. And, you know, so in that sense, they're abdicating their responsibility for what they're doing. So to tell someone, this is what I'm doing, I'm going into rehab, I'm getting clean, you know, you're, it's not just other people that hear that, it's you that hears that. You're yeah. hearing your own voice saying, this is a change that I am making. And that's so powerful. And you can't, uh, you know, you, you nothing can replace that. You have to be very, you know, it all starts and ends with yourself, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. You can't, nobody stops drinking until they decide to. No, they don't. No, they don't. And we've, we've had people that, or I've known a, a lot of people that have done exactly the same as I have and been very open and told everyone. And we've had other people that have kept it very close to their chest. And you tend to find, and, and you know, it, I've, I've known people who have been, been, uh, been successful using either of those methods, but you tend to find if you're open with everyone and and tell everyone what's going on, people are much more supportive. They can't mm. support you if you, they don't know what's going on in your life. Mm. So you get the support you need, and it's really cathartic. Mm. So that's Chandler Bing then. Chandler Bing done. So uh, cup of tea. Maybe we could watch an episode of Friends. Oh, we'll do that, shall we? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Not the one with the naked man. No. All right. Okay. okay. See you next week. See ya. Yeah, bye. Bye. Sideways was created by Graham Landy and Martin Pankhurst. If you want to read more about our work, visit grahamlandywellbeing.co.uk forward slash sideways. You can follow us on Twitter and you can email us to let us know what you think of the show. And finally, we'd like to thank you for listening and ask that if you've enjoyed what you've heard, that you spread the word. And we'll see you next week.